0: Jazz shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mish Reya, It's business, but it's personal.
1: in right place.
2: That was Dr John with The Right Place and The Wrong Time. Good morning, it's me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM, and it's Jazz Shapers. It's the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues, and soul. And right alongside them, we bring someone who's shaping the world of business. We call them Business Shapers. I'm super pleased to say that my business shaper today is Nick English. Nick is the co-founder of a beautiful watch brand called Bremont, and you're going to be hearing all about his story, and a pretty fascinating one it is, too. In addition to hearing from Nick, you'll also be hearing from Program partners at Mishkondurea. Some words of advice for your business. And then, of course, we've got a brilliant mix of music from the Shapers of Jazz, Blues, and Soul. Eliane Elias is in there, the one and only Quincy Jones is too, and so is this from Charles Turner.
3: When you're in love, the sky is never grey, and everything's okay in love when you're in love you fall real you loosened up your guard with joy you can't discard
2: that was Charles Turner. Lovely it was too. When you're in love. Nick English is my business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers. As I said earlier, he's the co-founder of the watch brand called Bremont and he founded it with his brother. His brother isn't here, but just he's one not. of you. No, but I think Elliot, one's Very enough. good to see you. No, he's not here. Just myself, I'm afraid. Lovely, lovely to meet you. It's a really interesting story around where these watches come, come from, their origin in a way and their, their um, inspiration. Tell me a little bit about why you set this business up all those years ago um that's a very good question i mean i think it most
3: of it came down from uh inspiration passed down through for our father i think so many of us are influenced by our parents obviously uh our father was um an incredible engineer aeronautical engineer spent all his time in the workshop and uh, as a sort of form of babysitting my father dumped us in there and uh, we you know we had a tremendous childhood making things sort of storing planes that we still fly cars old motorbikes and clocks are one of those things he um, was passionate about and uh, uh, there is this uh amazing sort of history of british watchmaking which you sort of talk about in it and that's where it really really started so um and when he wasn't in the workshop uh making whatever he was making at the time he'd be off flying so it's a sort of fusion of a few things in our upbringing really
2: and this business was set up 16 years ago but if i is that correct yes correct. No, no, it was a long time ago but i believe that the first watch wasn't actually available for a few years is that true as well this is really
3: true. You know, the worst thing we did was we told our wives at the time, it'll take a year and a half to make the first watch. So 2002, we trundled off um, at the time, literally with a blank sheet of paper saying, mm-hmm. you know, how are we going to do this? And we, we up a little workshop in Vienna, Switzerland. Um, but it was a year and a half was the initial plan. But, you know, these things take, you can't release something which is less than perfect. And so by the time we were ready, it was, it was indeed 2007 when the first watch
2: I suppose, officially came to market. And jumping forward to now, how many different watches does Bremont produce, roughly?
3: God, that's a far too difficult I question. know. I'll
2: give you the rate. I think,
3: I believe there's a sort of a hundred or so different skews or different different varieties. But I think if you if you go to a retailer, you know, if you go to I I don't know, watch the Switzerland myself doesn't you'll probably see thirty five odd in a in a stand. I think more than
2: that becomes slightly confusing there's too much choice so but there are obviously more on the website if you go there and there are lots and these are um, not the cheapest watches in the world these are the sort of what one would call them luxury items I guess is that yeah, fair yeah I mean luxury is I mean, it's an interesting word in itself but I mean
3: there's incredible a lot of time and effort goes into them. we only make mechanical watches so they're all uh, beautifully engineering engineered product is what we you know strive for and it's it's um, uh, it's, it's not based around fashion. It's all about producing a watch, which was something you, you, know, any good watchmaker could take the back off without knowing which brand it was, and go,
2: "Actually, this is beautifully made." And that's what uh, sort of we've always sort of been a mission for us. We're going to talk a lot more about what makes a watch beautifully made and what goes into it, and that's going to be coming up in a little bit with Nick English, my business shaper and co-founder of Bremont. We can also going to talk about the name because it's a, there's a good story around that as well. Time for some more music though. Right now, this is komova from Eliane Elias. (laughs) Eliane Elias with Oye Komova. I'm talking to Nick English today, co-founder of the Bremont Watch Company Sounds great, doesn't it? The Bremont Watch Company It needs to be up there, we need to put sort of big lights up as well and they can flash um, Set up in 2002, as I said, You've, as you said, there's more than 100 watches There's quite a few of them and I have been to the website I might be interested in one in particular, they're, <laughs> they're amazing um, Tell me a little bit about the name as well Because obviously your surname is English and Bremont doesn't sound very English at all to me so um, when we started, Giles and I had a sort of firm
3: belief that we didn't want to buy a watch brand and sort of reinvigorate it. Uh, a lot of that happens in the industry where you, you're you trading on a history which isn't particularly yours. Um, and many of these brands have been dormant and then come back to life over the last 20 or so years. And and uh, what Bremel's passionate about is about producing these watches in the UK. So we have our own manufacturing facilities and um, training schemes and everything else over here. And so the obvious thing to to have done when we started was I suppose, buy an old watch brand. There's some incredible masters out there. The Harrisons, the Mudges, the Tompions, the you know, the Grahams. There's some, there's some amazing guys out there. Um, but it's not our history. And what we wanted from day one was Bremont very much to stand on its own own two feet. And as you correctly pointed out, our surname's English. And having a, a British watch brand called English would have... I think the irony would have been missed on a lot of uh, people around the world. And also quite hard to trademark. So... Um, it actually came down to a flying trip. Uh, there's a big sort of flying DNA in our family. And my brother and I are flying a an old sort of vintage airplane down through France. This is uh, in the 90s or late 90s. And um, we had a precautionary landed, Verting commas, and we landed in a French field. And if you land in a field in uh, America or England, you buy the farmer a bottle of whiskey and take his wife for a flight and everything's very easy um, in france it's it's illegal well it's um it's very bureaucratic the airplane gets impounded and it gets very very expensive so we landed in this field and uh uh the chap who came to help us because it we, admittedly it had been flying in weather which we probably shouldn't have so it's pouring with rain um and we ended up pushing the airplane into this barn and uh we ended up spending two or three days with him because the weather was still so bad um, and our Our father had died uh, a couple of years earlier, and had our father lived for another thirty years, this was this guy it was He was into exactly the same things as our father a wonderful wonderful guy into his mechanical things, used to you know fly himself and um, and his name was anton Bremont, so when it came to naming the watch brand, which actually we didn 't do for the first three or four years of Having started Bremel, um um because it didn 't really mean a much to us to begin with and it's all about getting the product right, the name was sort of selling me secondary Bremel came up and and that 's what we ended up using so it's very much uh Giles and I and our father hmm. in that but it 's um, a name which we felt was right
2: i'm assuming you'd asked him as well if it was okay
3: sadly he um he's oh, no. no longer with us he was seventy eight years old when we we met him, okay. but uh um, I'm sure he would have said yes Exactly, yeah. I'm sure it would have been very, very good about it
2: <laughs> Stay with me for much more from my uh, business shaper Nick English and we're going to get into how someone who hasn't made watches for a business for a, for a, as a profession um, is actually able to go and do it and create this I'm really interested to find out more about that uh, That's come up very shortly but before that we got some words of wisdom I hope from our programme partners at Mishcon for your business
1: I'm Sonal Gandhi. I'm a partner in the real estate group at Mishkondorea. I act for the private individual and their companies in buying and selling high-end residential properties in central London, as well as acting for private banks in their secured lending work um, on residential properties. The most important thing to know about working on complicated transactions is to effectively appoint a pivotal person that's going to act as the project manager of that transaction. Invariably, there's going to be a number of parties involved. It goes without saying that with so many people involved in a transaction, things can start going astray. So it's essential to have a go-to person. It's very much like that person is the conductor of an orchestra. All of the players are musicians in that orchestra. They each have a piece of music to read. Without that conductor, they're not going to play in tune, in harmony to get the end result. Therefore, my advice is to have that person who can control, who can communicate and ensure that all parties are cooperating together. Too many cooks disaster. They all start going off on their own agenda without having that person to essentially manage the process and effectively deliver that goal for that client.
0: Jazz shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Kondreya. It's business, but it's personal.
2: You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday, I'm very lucky. I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business, someone who's making an impact, doing something that we all wish we could have done. At least that's how I feel, and that's why I enjoy meeting all these people so much every week. If you've missed any of the programs, go to iTunes, put in the words "jazz and shapers," or if you're flying with British Airways in the near future, you can also find us on BA High Life. And talking of flying, Nick English is my business shaper today, and he's the co-founder of Bremont, the watch company, Bremont Watch Company. And as you've been listening earlier, you would have heard. If you've been listening earlier, you would have heard that his family and he are very, very involved in and love the world of flying, and that indeed has informed a lot of the way that the watches have been designed. Can I ask you a question about this? So, so obviously you made stuff, your dad made stuff, you came, you, you talked about that, and I can envisage and see you there with your brother sitting there probably at the age of three months, not sitting, but lying back, watching dad doing things. That's very different to making a business out of building watches when you haven't been a professional watchmaker. Just tell me a little bit about that hump that you had to get over, where there was the passion and there was the the desire, but actually converting that into a real business that really does pay people salaries, that really does give you a going concern. Tell me about those first few years.
3: I think with any business, it's all if you can get the product right. Obviously, the rest is is almost easy in comparison. And uh, we came from an engineering background uh, before Bremmer. We were restoring, you know, historic aircraft, and we we always had that love of um, all things mechanical, something beautifully engineered, something which, if it was well made, it should last you 100, 200, 300 years, which is what's so special about a mechanical watch. If you look after it and service it every sort of four or five years, there's no reason why that won't be around for literally centuries, and many watches are. So from day one, getting the product right was obviously paramount. And you talked about earlier on taking five years rather than uh, two years to get the, the, the stage where we're willing to release the product. And that was because we were, you know, actually fastidious when it came to in how this watch would be designed how it would look but also how it would work so we um decided very early on we're only going to make chronometers which is a sort of the highest echelon of of uh timekeeping in watches um and uh as i said they're only going to be mechanical but they were something which any good engineer watchmaker would look at and go oh, i love this so it did take time and you you know you have mistakes you mm. you that's why it took so much longer than we thought. Instead of uh, uh, getting there in two years and saying, look, we're ready to release it, you'll change the smallest thing. But that smallest thing may take six months to to turn around so yeah it's a long process you can't go into this for the the short term that's for sure
2: and very briefly the relationship between you and giles is your brother and you know um uh, siblings are, everyone has relationships with their siblings and they vary um how does it work in a work environment are you able to distinguish does it matter that you don't is it just a conversation you know obviously sunday lunch and families are together do you inevitably talk about work
3: um well first of all, you know, he's an amazing photocopier, um <laughs> floor sweeper and general younger admin. brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's uh, he has a bit of use, but um no, do you know it's very hard not to talk about work. That's the hardest thing, is you you live and breathe it, obviously, and uh I'd say we're we're quite similar in, in outlook. Um we both have the love of the same Product product design is so easy because we both like the same thing. You can't design by committee. Yeah, you know, we know we're not going to appeal to everyone, but that's not the point. we you know, we have um, we have a certain ethos, a certain uh, look and feel that we like, and that's Bremont. Um, so in that respect, it's very easy with Giles, and uh, we duplicate quite a lot of things, which is good because you know, one he can go off and do the the same thing in Asia as I'm doing in America, and vice versa. So it's it's quite handy having a double effectively.
2: And, uh, and of course we do need that photocopying done as well Stay with me for um, the boss of the photocopier that's Nick English, um, Giles' brother and also the co-founder at the Bremont Watch Company Time for some more music Quincy Jones with Bet Wouldn't Hurt Me That was Quincy Jones with Betcha Wouldn't Hurt Me. Nick English has been talking to me about the Bremont Watch Company, about useful photocopiers. He is going to have a problem with this, obviously. You do know that you're setting up a fight with your brother.
3: No, he's very good at it. He's very good at it. Do you you ever argue,
2: actually, on a serious point? Do we argue? Um, And if you do, how do you resolve No, we don't.
3: You know, we don't really, which is to a lot of people's amazement... um, you'd have no we don't we all sit down obviously you'll have a difference of opinion sometimes but you very quickly resolve it mm. and we're not ones to sort of stew over anything so it I think we're just a, a sibling partnership that seems to work,
2: and, and which mm. is obviously a good thing for us. And in terms of the team, there's around 100 people that work in the business, is that right? Yeah, just over that, yeah. Just over, and how many of them are in the same place? Because I imagine that some people are dotted around. Uh,
3: we're we're in a few different countries, but the main two facility, or two areas are close to Henley, Henley on Thames. So I, I guess the HQ is where all the watches, or, or two thirds of the watches are put together. Um, and that's where you'll see rows of people in their white coats and uh, people have been taught apprenticeships to put these watches together. And then we have another facility workshop, which is about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes away, which is where you'll literally see a bar of metal going in and uh, watch parts coming out, engineered watch parts, which is probably the first time that's happened in this country for 50, 60 years. And then we also have watchmaking there as well.
2: Uh, I was going to say about that, the British manufacturing. I mean, I had um, your friend Will Butler-Adams on the programme a while ago. Who's about, great, who's he's amazing. great, He's great. Yeah, yeah. and, and his his is another British manufacturing success story. You're very keen to um, make your watches in Britain. Is that what your plan is for the foreseeable future? Oh, is, is everything we're about so um,
3: back in 2010 or so we brought back all the assembly of the watches and from 2010 to now we've been working very hard in in the manufacturing of the components as well and it takes time, it takes uh, you know, it's not cheap, it's, uh, it's not the easiest, um, but once you have mastered it, and it's a particular component, you know, it's a breath of fresh air, you know, we're buying bars of metal we're not waiting for a supplier to mess up um, and as I was mentioning earlier, this is incredible history of British watchmaking. If you go back a uh, hundred years, sixty percent of the world's watches, luxury watches came from British shores. You know, first ship's chronometer, John Harrison in the 1730s, led to the sort of the expansion of the British, British Empire with navigation at sea. You've got probably sixty, seventy percent of the innovation of the mechanical watch came from this country as well. Mm-hmm. So there is this amazing history, and it also is a great differentiator between us and the seven or eight hundred sort of Swiss watch brands out there. Um, and I think when you, when you talk to anyone for a brand, you'll see that passion about what we're about, what we're trying to achieve, and, uh, you know, it's quite, it's quite special.
2: And without sounding too lofty about it, do you see it as an important <clears throat> position that you take anyway, or are you doing it because you're being respectful of the history and because you really believe that this is the place where brilliant watches should be made?
3: Um, <clears throat> a bit of both, actually. I think um, once you, uh, once you've started making things yourself we find it easier as a business to grow you have far more control you have far control over supply chain which is very very important you have control over quality you have control over a number of things which you don't have when you're dependent on another supplier so a big part of it's that in terms of we needed to do it to grow the way we wanted to um, but also uh, you know we have a huge respect as I said for, for what uh, people have done in this country in the past and it, you know, the two world wars knocked us out you know if you could build a um, a movement part for a, for a watch. You could build a firing pin for an Enfield rifle, and yeah, unfortunately, went through two world wars, and it was a sort of battle for survival, and and that's what we spent our you know uh, manufacturing skill set doing in this country. So to try and bring that back
2: is is something yeah, which is quite special. Stay with me for my final chat with Nick. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Liz Wright. That's in just a moment.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Conderaya. It's business, but it's personal. <music>
2: that was Liz Wright with What Would I Do Without You from her 2017 album Grace Nick English is my um, business shaper just for a few more minutes Nick we've talked about lots of stuff the team and the distinction between you and Giles in a word an adjective how would they describe you and how would they describe your brother
3: ooh oh that's quite a that's quite a hard one clearly is a He's um, going to be mean again. I can see it. It's <laughs> written all I over your face. I clearly just know. It. It. <laughs> um, I would say Giles is probably. um and he gets his business hat on. He's probably slightly more serious. Is that fair? Is that slightly more serious in terms of business chat? And uh, he loves his stats. He loves his stats. Um, so he's Stato. and he's you're Stato. I probably um, get involved with a bit more of the creative side, probably. I mean, that's how it sort of worked. But then Giles is, you know... The thing about this business, it's, it's a really difficult business because you've got to be... Um, you're an engineering company, you're a manufacturer, you're a retailer, we have our own stores around the world, you're a wholesaler, you sell through other stores, you, you're you a marketing company as well, because obviously if you don't market yourself, nobody knows, you can be the best product in the world, but if people haven't heard of you. And we have to be involved with all these parts. So Giles and I actually could you know, theoretically fit into any of these parts and we have to, we enjoy the marketing, it's a great part, of it's a fun part of the business, we both love the product. Um, but I think naturally, you know, Giles, Giles, likes he likes to get into his statistics actually, mm. which is which is good, which is uh, which is I think it's one of one of us has to, which is good. Uh,
2: and and the um, the happiness of your team obviously really important, and you do interesting things. <laughs> I'm assuming it's important. Um, I know that you're you have a charitable. Side to the business, you you're interested in um, all sorts of different things. Yeah, yep. What is it that you think keeps your team motivated? Is it the sense they are creating literally one of the best watches in the world? Is there something beyond that? Do you know? I think that that that. Doing what we are
3: doing in this country certainly is a great glue between everyone. And you see, you only have to work into one of the workshops and you'll see the the passion they have for, look, Nick, we've just made this part and we never thought we could do this. This is amazing. That's really special. But then you look at, you go and talk to our military team, you know, 25% of our business is military around the world, dealing with some incredible squadrons and regiments and things. And And... It's very humbling, the people you're working for. You know, we're sponsors for the Invictus Games. We've done a lot with the likes of Walking Walking the Wounded, RF Association. These injured servicemen, there isn't a dry eye in the house when they come in to talk to you. Um people with PTSD, you're meeting some amazing people daily. And I think um, that is genuinely... And then the ventures we work with, work with you know, the Ben Saunders, who, who's just, you know, gone to the South Pole and yeah. or the Leo Holdings or the... You know, there's some amazing people there on a daily basis. It's a very interesting industry in that respect that you you confronted with amazing pe- amazing people on a daily basis
2: well but talking of amazing people i mean you you know you lost your father in, a, in an accident um which was many many years ago 20 20 or so years ago now yeah. you were very badly injured in this accident so it was uh, in a plane you obviously have huge amounts of resilience both physical and emotional because you're talking about these amazing people but that's a pretty extraordinary thing not just to cope with and not just to get over but to then use as the, the platform and the springboard to do something pretty special
3: Do you know uh, sorry, so that's very sweet but I think it was is certainly a tipping point in Giles's my, my life because it, it affected us both quite significantly. I was smashed up I you know, broke 30 odd bones and I was in hospital for a long time but Giles was there trying to pick up the pieces um, with the family and he was, you know, he's 20 years old at the time so he's very very young and um, And it is very, very bonding. And I think um, our father, who died at forty-nine years old, in the same field, um, he, you know, there's so much more. He achieved so much in a short period of time, but and he would have achieved so much more as well. Um, And you suddenly come out with thinking, you know, life is so incredibly short, and that's probably why we've thrown caution to the wind in so many cases and gone off and bought a big machine to do something because you just think actually, you know. Why not? Um, which is good and bad, I suppose. But it's uh, it's certainly something that's driven driven the brand forward mm. to
2: this stage. Well, listen, I, I, it's going to carry on driving the brand because you guys are in charge, and it looks like you you've only just. No, got I'm started. in charge. Don't don't bring my brother into this. <laughs> it's poor Giles. Is it? You're in so much trouble Nick. <laughs> just before I let you go, and it has been re- a real pleasure talking to you. What's your song choice, and why have you chosen it? Okay. Well,
3: um, the song is is Rock This Town by the Brian Setzer Orchestra, and the reason I chose this is as Charles and I we grew up. Um, since we're in our teens, probably 15, 16, we've been a really bad sort of uh, rockabilly blues band, and uh, our whole repertoire actually hasn't improved at all over 20, 30 years, but it's a huge fun, and our idol for many, many years, this is this incredible jazz guitarist um, called uh, Brian Setzer, um, so this is, uh, this is him playing with his big band, and it's a, an amazing tune, it's a lovely fusion between all these types of music, so hopefully uh hopefully it fits in with the channel (laughs) here it is just for you thank you
2: That was Rock This Town from Brian Setzer Orchestra, the song choice of my business shaper today, Nick English. Someone who absolutely understood the importance of getting the product right. As he said, you can't design by committee. Someone who's so passionate about what he does, it just came through in everything he said and everything he felt. And finally, someone who's an advocate for British manufacturing, someone who's standing up for what we can do in this country and what we can do brilliantly well. Really, really good stuff. Do join me again next Saturday for another edition of Jazz Shapers. I do hope you enjoyed today. Meanwhile, stay with us here on Jazz FM, because coming up next, there's more brilliant jazz,
0: soul and blues. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.